Welcome to Heaven Smells Like Books, a book review podcast. Hi, welcome back to my podcast. Um, so today I'm going to be reviewing The Girl with the Louding Voice. If you don't follow me on Instagram or Twitter, then you don't know why I chose that book. Basically, I was trying to decide... <laughs> Or what to review next. In my heart of hearts, I knew I wanted to review The Vanishing Half. <laughs> but I was like, I've been speaking about the girl with the louding voice a lot. So like, let's just see. And then literally on Instagram and on Twitter, it was the girl with the louding voice. So I was like, cool, sure. Um, That's what people want. So let's give the people what they want. Um, speaking of Instagram and Twitter... My Instagram handle for the podcast is Heaven Smells Like Books. Um, but Twitter is still somber, as in at still somber. But that will be in the description. And as usual, links to get the book will be in the description. Um, so you can support a black owned business. Um what else do I usually say? Oh, like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. I like when you guys DM me to tell me you like the podcast. Well, it would also be great if you could just <laughs> like just tweet it instead of DMing me. Wow. <laughs> like you don't have to do that. Just tell your friends to listen. But uh yeah, cool. So I have a guest today. Yay. I'm not going to introduce her, <laughs> but I have a guest. <laughs> yeah, there'll be another voice on the other side. So two voices in yeah. the entire podcast, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't want to review this book alone. <laughs> um, so I have a guest. Also, I made her read the book, so it felt only right to... Like, yeah. I, I read the book, and I called her, and I was like... This book I'm reading, you need to read it. To be fair, I felt like if I didn't read it, I would not hear the last of it. Like, you would keep calling me to talk about the book, but because I had no idea about it, I couldn't comment on it. So it had to be done. Pretty much. Um, Okay, cool. So we'll start. So I want to give, like, a brief summary of what the book is about. Okay. Um, So... If you want to like describe in like a few sentences what the girl with the louding voice is about, taking away like the things you liked about it, the things you didn't like, like what is the book actually about? Okay, I would say it's about a girl who went through so many challenges in trying to get herself educated so in all her communication with the main people in her life they made it seem like education would give her a good opportunity to become a quote-unquote better person in the society so it's just about her and the people she met along the way in her journey ish mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i think that's how i would describe it to her like to me, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. And like how her mother's death just changed her life for the worse. It's yeah. actually kind of crazy. But anyway, okay, so if we start with 
the writing. Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want to go first? I can go first. Okay, you go first. And then I would like interject sometimes. (laughs) Okay, so the writing, it's... um... So the name of the main character is Adjani. She's Nigerian. Um, and if you can't tell from the name, she's Yoruba, which is a Nigerian tribe. And so she is the narrator. So we are experiencing this book from her eyes, I guess. Um, yeah. And she, at the beginning of the book, she wasn't formally educated actually throughout there was at no point was she formally I mean, she educated went to school up to primary four yeah i guess um but what i'm trying to get at is that her english was really bad mm-hmm. and so the book is written that way as in it's written in bad english and i actually really liked that mm-hmm. it initially threw me off the same way um, I got thrown off when I read um, Their Eyes Were Watching God because language was different. Language was very much like the way Black, I assume Black Americans talked in the 1930s. Mm. Um, so that was what the dialect was like. So it took a while for me to get used to it and it was the same with this book because I, I genuinely wasn't expecting like I know there's a grammatical error in the title but it still didn't yeah. occur to me that the book would be written that way so I thought that yeah. was really interesting I also liked that as we went through the book you could tell that her English was getting better because she started taking English classes at some point and I'm yeah. really happy that they did that so I like that part okay I want to talk about that part before we move on to another part. So I started reading the book with that expectation. So you told me what to read. And I think you kind of gave me a hint of what it's going to be like. So I expected it to not be in English, but I kind of expected it to be in Pigeon. So from the synopsis, you get the idea that she doesn't have a complete formal education. So you don't expect to have proper English and like grammar and stuff however what I did not expect was to feel the narration to be weird and familiar so it felt weird because it wasn't in the proper tenses they were very broken languages and whatever but it sounded very very similar to (laughs) yes like I couldn't get it. Like I just could not get it off my chest. Even from the from the um from the name of the book, the girl with the loud voice, it's something that she would fully say. It's and I think the author took um she took inspiration. Exactly. Maybe because I haven't watched like I haven't really watched Jennifer's diary. So I, I genuinely have no idea. If you don't know what Jennifer's diary is, it's like a it's a sitcom. It started off as a movie. Yeah. I'm not going to explain what Jennifer's diary is. You can't Google this. Google, do your Googles. <laughs> do your Googles, babe. <laughs> but, oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, I went in not knowing what to expect. Yeah. So I, it was just like, oh. So, 
I read the book with that feeling all through and it was very distracting. I can't even lie. Like mm. it was just I just thought like, okay, am I watching Jennifer's diaries or is um is is this Jennifer's diary? What exactly is this? And it's good and it's also not I don't really I didn't really like it like that. So I read an interview recently that she either an interview or report, I don't remember, but it she was talking about how um she, she wrote as the in book. the writer yeah the writer how the writer wrote the book and um the writer the author says that um she didn't want to write in pigeon english so it was intentional the goal was not to write in pigeon which made me feel a bit yeah it made me feel better that okay she definitely hits the mark in not writing pigeon because that is not pigeon yeah um but then she wanted to write it in adonis english which definitely took reference from Jennifer's diary. So I guess I want to have a conversation or maybe just listen. I'm going to sound like a dickhead now. Like listen to a conversation with someone in a, not in a similar situation to Adoni, but like with a similar educational background. Mm. I mean, to see if that's actually how they talk. But I guess it does not matter. She got yeah. her point across. Yes. I don't think it matters. I also don't think it would not... I don't think it would sound the same because it's it's, it's going to be a different person. Like, different people, they learn stuff in different ways mm-hmm. and then the way they pass it on across is different. So, let's say you meet Tony tomorrow and Tony also doesn't have proper education. True, if Tony has true. lived in Lagos, Tony will probably be speaking French Pigeon English. Ah, this is true. This is true. That's true. Because yeah. I feel like, okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. That's true. I completely forgot that she was she didn't grow up in Lagos. Yeah. Or so, in yeah. a city even. Okay. What did you like about the writing? I write. I liked. I was not in English. Um. Honestly, there wasn't a lot I liked about the writing. Like nothing really stood out to me apart from mm-hmm. the fact that it was not in English. Yeah. It was. I like the dialogues. Um, yes, I did, me too. There I like was the a dialogues. lot of dialogue and I, I really like that. Yes. But then I also have a question regarding the dialogues. Mm-hmm. So in my head, Adonis doesn't understand English. Like, okay, let's say she understands English to so like 30%. But the words she processes in her head, they're in Yoruba. And also the other people around her also do not have as much education as the people that are in Lagos. So let's focus in on people in the village. Why couldn't the conversation have been in Yoruba? And if, uh, wait, it, I know it will become a Yoruba <laughs> book, but imagine this, imagine this, that I'm having a conversation with somebody that understands my language. So we're both speaking Yoruba. So if I was to translate that, it would be in formal English. So the book could have also been written in proper English. Sure. That's true. It's just a wow, you're that so I insightful. I See, never girl. thought about the fact that if this it just... was happening in real life, they would be speaking the language they know how to speak. Not... Yeah. You know what? Fair enough. So, like, from that perspective, I feel like the book could have been written in proper English, English. except maybe some parts where the focus was just what. Well, 
except the dialogue bits where it could have then be written in or when broken exactly it could have been yeah. written in broken english maybe what she should have done was um instead of having the whole thing where ajani was the narrator for the entire book for the parts where she was in the village with her parents um it should she should not have been the narrator that way. Mm. She could have gotten away with using proper English. And then once Adoni is in Lagos, switch to Adoni being the yeah. narrator. Yeah. But saying that, I think the fact that the entire book was written this way is something that other people seem to like. So I didn't really like it like that. But a lot of people seem to resonate with it being the best part of the book. That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I think, I think it stood out. To me. Yeah, it definitely didn't make the book stand out to me. Um, otherwise, I don't think anything else would have stood out. It True. wouldn't have been like a book. Yeah, yeah. Talking about stuff that I like or did not like, um, Adonis' narration or her description of stuff—it seemed very very naive and kind of poetic and very dramatic like wait, when she wait, wait we'll get there hold on <laughs> hold on <laughs> okay we're still on the writing with okay okay so you said you don't there's there was really nothing that you liked about the writing like nothing really stood out to you yeah okay fair enough okay so then what didn't you like about the writing if you was... have anything that you didn't like, you have mm-hmm. to tell me why you didn't like it and what you think should have been done instead. Um, like, what okay. would have made it better? I'm not a writer, so I wouldn't really... But yeah, but from, I just... but from like, a re- like a reader's perspective, what would you have preferred to read? I can go first. Okay. Okay, so... I felt like the writing was too simple. I don't know. Okay, I take that back. That's not what I'm trying to say. I felt like she, she hasn't the author for okay. So this is how I saw it. For like, it felt like when she was writing it, she sat down and said, "These next three pages, at the end of it, I want the reader to get this lesson from it." Mm. So then it felt like she then wrote whatever lesson in a sentence, she wrote it down and then worked scenarios around it yeah. to make you get to that point. And it felt like she did it so often and frequently in the book. So there were so many different lessons, but they didn't blend into each other. It was very like, it didn't flow. It felt yeah forced. It wasn't natural i don't know if that makes sense so Um, i think i'm trying to give justification for why the writing is like this like i've really thought about this and i was like okay there might be there might be a um, a target so you know how adeni starts reading wait we can't give spoilers right yeah okay you know adeni starts reading the facts about nigeria book so it was from there that i started to notice stuff like that so in the beginning of um some chapters like past the middle i think um at the beginning of each chapter there is like a 
random fact about Nigeria and she tries to push that into the narrative to make sure that it's being discussed. So she tries to immerse the character into one of those random facts, which I think from a perspective of trying to educate the reader about Nigeria or about, yeah, about Nigeria in general, it's a good thing, but it felt too forced. Yeah, and then also, like, when Adjuni was reading those facts and she was processing it, um, the way they wrote that those parts also made it seem like Adjuni wasn't... I don't... You know what? I don't know how to explain it, but it was very much like, okay, she has read this thing, and if you want her to talk about it, she would not be talking about it in this way okay like she was a robot just repeating yes, exactly, exactly what she had read exactly okay. like that um and like there were parts where she was questioning things that she read which is fine and great like you should question things you read but again it just it felt like she was handing the um reader the point she was trying to yeah, make like you're and feeding it was a baby like you're feeding a baby and i was like unless your target audience is people in let's say like ages 10 to 13 like you don't need to make it that obvious like you okay so for example one of the things they were talking about was the election the election for when um Buhari first got elected i was reading that part and i was like girl triggered <laughs> I was like, LOL, you should see what is happening in that country now. <laughs> um, so, like, there were parts where she was um, reading about, like, the election, for example. And then she would ask questions like, oh, but then if um, that's the case, why does this this still happen? Mm-hmm. And this this is um, bad. Because so it, the writing was very much like, um, so, so, and so person did this. As in, so, so, and so, so so and so person stole this thing. This yeah. is something that happened. I'm just giving an example. So and so person stole this thing. Um, stealing is bad. Stealing is bad because, and that that was what that was what he read like. Yeah. I'm not even like summarizing things. That was what it was like. And I feel like if a book is well written, even if you're trying to make points, because I'm sure like authors have main points that they want their books to make like if you're writing a speech or something you have the main thing you want to get mm-hmm. across and then you like work with it um but i feel like if you have those points the writing should be good enough that the writing and the storyline should be good good enough that the reader can tell from the story that you've just told that so so and so person stole this thing the reader should also be able to infer without you outright pointing it out to them that stealing is bad because the reader can see how it's negatively affected the character and other characters in the book. Mm. So like you can see from the things that happened why stealing is bad without the author saying stealing, stealing is bad, bad because it, it was like she didn't want the reader to think. Yeah, I think it was intentional. Like it, it felt the way it was put out and everything was written, it felt too, too scripted and too direct to be something that just happened. I felt like that that was what the author was trying to do. I don't know why, and I think it definitely did not come across as like it didn't make the reading easier. 
it just made it like I was in a history lesson I didn't want to really be in. Exactly. It didn't feel like fiction. Yes. And I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah. Saying, I wanted it to be fiction to a certain degree. But yeah, it just didn't feel like it. Yeah. What else didn't you like? The writing. I don't know. The writing wasn't a lot. I think I... The storyline really was really captivating and really interesting that I could forgive the things that I didn't like about the writing. So this is what I find interesting because I, you know, the only person who has said this to me about this book. Um, so I'm not, okay. So now, so I think it's probably just a me thing, but I'm, <laughs> I feel very strongly about how good the writing of a book is um so if the writing isn't good that is it for me like i don't care how great the story is if the writing isn't good the book isn't good like there's this book that won the booker prize a couple of years ago i can't remember what the title is yeah um so the book is titled uh uh, gosh the god of small things and it's a really good it's won a book up prize so it's a really good book but the writing was very bulky and there were there was like a lot of information that was not necessary and even though i got a lot from it and i learned a lot about from india because it was based there and like the Mm -hmm. culture and everything but because the writing to me was so stressed like it was just too much going on I wouldn't recommend, like, I'm I'm not going to recommend that book. Like, on my list of good books, it's not on it. So, in my head, I can't, the writing and the storyline have to be good for it to be a good book. Interesting. I think because I otherwise, just... anyone can write. I mean... I can make bullet points <laughs> right now and just work things out. So, but I, I guess it's a me thing, but... Yeah, I, we can move to the, to the. Oh, I have one more thing that I didn't like about the writing specifically, um, the way she wrote the Lagos characters. So the book is split into two. The first half is when Ajani is in the village, and the second half she is in Lagos. Lagos is a city in Nigeria. It's like the main city. In it. In Nigeria, nobody should ask me questions or tell me that they got to me to in Nigeria. <laughs> you can argue with your mom. It's the business capital, I think. Yes, yeah, the economic capital. Um, and so the characters in Lagos were supposed to be obscenely rich people. At least that's the way I interpreted it. Emphasis of obscenely. <laughs> They're supposed to be like really, really rich people. Um. And it just didn't, it was the writing of the characters wasn't right. I don't know any Lagosian that talks like that. Like, I know they were supposed to be of a certain type of character, but even then, it seemed like she, as in the author, didn't do enough research on how that group yeah. talk and act and the things they do. And it felt like um, someone from the outside was writing about Lagosians. It's like if I, no, it's like a man writing about 
women's experiences. There's only like uh, unless you're Khalid. What's the name of that man? Hussein. Yeah. Is that pronounced his last name? I He's the know. only man I know that has ever had um main female characters and I didn't feel like he did them a disservice. Mm. Um because recently I read a short story written by a guy and I could tell like halfway through that a woman didn't write this because it just didn't flow that way and it yeah. felt that way as well like she didn't know how the Goshens talk how rich the Goshens talk mm-hmm. the brands they talk about how they talk about them um and I don't know I feel like a little research could have sorted Got that out way, yeah. I mean, I don't feel like I knew a lot of rich Lagosians <laughs> and like at least not the type of rich that she was trying Talking to write. About, yeah. But even I could tell that this isn't right. And so like there's a character in the book who went to uni in the UK and then moved back to Lagos. Um, so like, I guess like I want to say in my head that let's assume that I just don't know enough extremely rich Lagosians to make a judgment in that but with the case of the girl her name was Tina is Um, it Tina or Tia is it Tia I do not know I have read it as Tia the entire book but oof let's go with Tia (laughs) um what's it called I feel like I know enough honestly anyone that went to uni in the UK knows a lot of Nigerians that went to UK and then moved back. Yeah. And I don't know anyone who talks that way. I don't, honestly, the way that character was written, even if you don't have that experience, you can tell that this is not a realistic character. And I just feel like she could have done more research into that area to see, like, are these, is this a realistic way to describe how these people talk and live? So on the Tia character, I feel like the author tried to romanticize the relationship between um, between her and Adoni. Like yeah. she just wanted to make it seem very, very sweet and very nice. And so she tried to reduce the person of Miss Tia to be somebody that is very sweet and very nice. So that character on its own and the relationship itself, the way the relationship started was a bit off to me <laughs> but I just switched it off and I was like okay let's just keep pushing because I really wanted to finish this book I wanted to get to the last page and just I really it. wanted to like the book like I wanted to like it I started out liking it and then yeah me too through, and then I... she, we got to the last part and yeah like, like and uh, I know it's not fair to co- compare writers but I've read, okay, so I've read, I think, two or three Sefiata books. And, okay, so maybe it's because I was comparing um, Sefiata's writing to hers. Because Sefiata writes rich Nigerians like no one else. I've heard. I'm reading my first Sefiata book. She writes rich Nigerians like no one can. <laughs> that's it's like I don't I don't know how she does this, but she does it so well. And I was like, it like I know all rich Nigerians don't act the way Sefiata writes them, mm-hmm. but comparing it to what I saw in um the girl with the louding voice, Sefiata's was just more natural. 
Yeah. Like I never had to. She never even said that these people are really rich people. But you could just tell from um the way she wrote them, the yeah, way they the were narration. talking, the places they lived and all those things. But for this one, it felt very much like she had to point it out and then it was like glaring at you and it still wasn't done well. Um, okay. And Sefiasa also writes about um young, rich Nigerians. Which is why I was then comparing Sefiata characters to the Tia character. Because Tia is supposed to fall into that bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, maybe she should have just read a Sefiata book. <laughs> no. I've taken inspiration. Maybe she could have spoken to more people that actually lived in Lagos. So I thought about that, but then I was like, maybe that just wasn't accessible. I, I disagree. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. True. But okay, so I became slightly forgiven of the way the writing was about Lagos. So I felt like I was criticizing the writing of the characters in Lagos a lot because I am a Lagosian. I have lived in Lagos. So I wouldn't necessarily say I know a lot of rich Lagosians, but. I okay, yeah. I would I don't know a lot of rich Lagosians, but the fact that I can semi relate to the characters in the book means it's a bit off because I'm not rich. I'm not rich, but I can kind of relate to the, the supposedly rich characters. So it means that there is a standard that she was aiming to meet, but she didn't meet she it. She didn't meet. But then it makes me think that the reason why I kind of appreciate or I kind of really like the the narration of the village scenario is because I have no idea how it is. True. So, like, like I wonder if exactly. someone who can relate to that reads the book, do they think it's, oh, they find it insulting? I found the way she read Lagos characters insulting. <laughs> see, see, I, I was just every being... time, every time I see a non-Lagosian <laughs> talk about this book, I want to message them so that actually. No. She doesn't represent those people well. It's unfair. So, like, yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know if the um village characters were well-written either because, I, yeah, I can relate less to that um than the Lagos characters. Yeah. But, okay, so let's go to the actual book. So forget all the things you don't like about the writing. Yes. Yeah. Um, the key points that stood out to you. So there was a recurring theme of women, patriarchy, child labor slash child abuse. And I don't know if it's classism or class or the splitting class in Nigeria as a whole. And um, that theme keeps going on from the beginning of the book all the way to the end. So um, I think w- with the, let me just start with women. Like she has these strong um, female characters, this strong, um, strong women in her life. So in her life that um, they just seem to impact her in positive ways. So from her mom, like her, one of the words that her mom said to her while her mom was still alive was, um, oh, I wrote it somewhere. So, something about her going to school and her being, um, 
her getting education will give her a loud voice mm-hmm. and um, give her a proper standing um, in the see in, in in life in general um to her to Khadija Khadija was one of the was the second wife when she got married and she literally Wait, taught her for context yeah um, Adonis father sold her off pretty much yeah um he married he married her off that's the term you'd use but he as far as I'm concerned he sold her um to a much older man Aduni was like 13 so it was child abuse to yeah. start with um and the man she was supposed to get married to was like her father's age and he, he already had two wives one the first one was a much older woman the second one was i think 18 or something yeah she was but she was also well. really young um that the first Khadija. the first wife's daughter is the same age as Aduni yes. so literally he married his daughter's Meets Anna Baya, period. Um, what was I? So yeah, like she had like female character. So Khadija was her senior wife, who literally teaches her how to be her a wife to her husband, and then to Iya. <laughs> I mean, as a fourteen-year-old, you basically do not know anything about anything. Yeah, as you shouldn't. Yeah, but. In this situation, she had to. She was put in that. She was already in that situation. It was. Yeah. There was nothing else she could do. Yeah. I mean, she could run away, which she eventually did. But when but she even first. But that isn't safe. She could have been all. kidnapped, killed. I mean, she was basically put into child labor, so that still yeah. didn't end well. Yeah. Um, but still on the topic of the women. So even though this character did not get a lot of pages, yeah. Um, the woman she goes to another village to see. She also yeah. plays a very strong role. role. Yeah, because yeah, she helped Adoni escape. Yes, yeah. and then there's also Mistia, who eventually helps Adoni get the um education that she wants. Um, I want to move to the situation about the men, because okay. almost apart from maybe her brothers. All the men in this book were rubbish. And even her brother, wasn't the younger brother had sense. I feel like they, they didn't shine his character a lot. So I was just Fair like, enough. okay, he's just like a passing character. He's just somebody that, okay, he was there. And that's it. Um, But all the men in her lives, like her dad literally, her dad sold her for rent. Do you know what's crazy to me? Um, Because this was one of my points. So, like, the main theme is abuse in different forms. And I remember when I was reading the book, I read this book a while ago, and I was like, so the idea of bride price and everything, it's like a part of the Yoruba culture. Um, So even if she wasn't, even if she was from a wealthy family and she wasn't underage, the whole bride price thing would have happened. Um, and like, I'm not, I'm not justifying the culture because that in itself is kind of problematic, which is like, whichever way you want to swing it, it is, um, but it was just the fact that he married her off for something so little. Yeah. It was like her life meant nothing to him. Like, this is a whole human being. And 
you're doing you're giving her away for this reason like for it was like for rent and food for food that would probably last like two months tops mm-hmm. if that's even and so like when i was reading it and i was thinking about bride price and all that i guess and this is probably like going to speak to my class privilege but um like i know people who have like deep issues with the concept of bride price and they like want absolutely nothing to do with it but in my head i've always thought about it as um if that's something my parents insist on i know that whatever they decide the bride price is isn't a measure of how they value me or what mm-hmm. they think my value is so i've never really like put those two things together like i've always just thought it's just like a gift or whatever but then in contrast to um adonis situation where it i mean it's still the bride price yeah but he took so little that like it's hard to then separate those two things as in this is what he thinks she's worth and it's like it was just like like i kept thinking you're selling your daughter off for rent and you can't talk about that and then not also talk about why he was doing that and the reason he was doing that was because he was poor which again probably speaks to my privilege because my parents won't be taking bright price because they need it like, if I say to them, if you guys take bride price, I'm never going to speak to you again. <laughs> They'll probably just be like, okay, you know, I'm tired. You've been stressing us out your entire life. Just, you know what, whatever, fine. We're not taking it. Yeah. Um, but this man didn't have that option. I don't even think marriage is something he would have considered for Arjuni if he wasn't, he wasn't getting benefiting. something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so... It's what's the right word um it's deeply unsettling that there are people in those situations and i'm sure he didn't like being poor like i'm sure he it was not an enjoyable experience for him to be that poor and i maybe in light of everything that has been happening and how we are now in a recession all over the world um, but just like reading reports on just how bad things are economically in Nigeria, how like everything is in a sachet form because people genuinely cannot afford to buy full-sized items. Mm-hmm. It's just unforgivable to me that there's a government and there are people living in such like horrible situations where um, women are in so much danger that they have to be sold off for their families to be fed. Because in the village, that was a common practice. It wasn't yeah. something that was new or like everyone was shocked that it was happening. It was just like the norm. You have a daughter, you don't have money, you marry your daughter off. Yes. So it was a very, very normal thing. I'm trying to, um, I was thinking about something else and then you started talking about the government and poverty. But We'll come back to the government and poverty. You know nothing about the poverty. It's also the reason her mother died. If they weren't poor, they would have had access to health care. And you know what? What really has me fucked up about healthcare system 
not just in Nigeria, but just all over the world in Any general. Trust. The fact that people have to do GoFundMe's to pay for medical bills is insane it's insane it doesn't make sense it's literally a case of how much money do you have let's determine if you deserve to live or not yeah it's crazy and like um i know someone who used to work in like hospitals in lagos and the stories are wild because the doctors are really doing the best they can with very little barely anything exactly barely anything and like people have to you have to pretty much buy everything you're treated with and it's not it's it just seems like such not it just seems like it's such a basic thing like it's an essential thing it's not a luxury item that only comfortable or wealthy people should have access to like, if someone is sick and dying, they should know that there should be a guarantee that if you go to a hospital, you, you'll be treated and you'll be yeah. fine. It's like everyone has a right to live. Exactly. And, like, that doesn't even exist. And it's, I don't know. I, I don't have any, like, deep philosoph- philosophical thing to say about that. It's just really sad because, yeah. yeah just because really yeah i wish Sorry, i wish i could in. just insert some really nice thing to say that oh the government can do this the government can do this but fuck the government i beg i'm not even <laughs> let's let's focus on adeni and on the girl with the louding voice i was going to say that um in as much as they were poor and um her dad saw the only solution was for him to marry off adeni to get some money in the entire book for the people in the village it's literally like if you have a son you send your son to school your son learns english your son becomes your son makes money however if you have a daughter you marry her off so whether you are whether you have you are comfortable or you're not comfortable to a certain extent the expectation is that you are going to you need to marry off your daughter to so just to, like you just need to use as 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 a as a trade by butter thing as an exchange yeah. for something like even Adonis husband his well, first daughter literally daughter, and he, he poor. yeah he was comfortable but he married his daughter off to an another older man whose wife died but he married her off so that he can fix his second taxi not the first one which means he still has a steady stream of income mm-hmm. his second taxi so Basically, there's this there's a full disregard for female children, which is not is not not real. It's basically realistic. Yeah. This is what happens today. Like I think a few months ago, I came across a documentary. I think I told you about this. A documentary about in I think in Benue State how um, they sell off their children like generation by generation. And let's say for example, you sell off your first daughter. Your first daughter is twelve. You sell her off to Mister A, and they try to impregnate a 12 year old but obviously that 12 year old can't do that and she dies then you owe mr a another child so you then give your second child and like that and it is it is very normal in certain communities like that in nigeria they just see female children as commodities and in this book as well even coming back to civilized lagos women are not respected if they don't have kids or if they don't have money no matter how rich they are like see miss here she 
went to school in England. So obviously she's educated. She's married to a doctor. So obviously her husband is educated. And you I expect have so many insults from Mr. Yaa's <laughs> husband. <laughs> Mr. Yaa's husband, her, hus- her mother-in-law, that woman is... Oof. Do you know what I was thinking? Okay, so I know we're jumping everywhere, but we are on Mr. Yaa. So let's, let's, you know, settle there for a bit. So Mr. Yaa's husband is a doctor. Um, and he's a, oh God, what's it called? I can't remember. But he deals with women, pregnant women, yeah. or women trying to get pregnant, pregnant, you know, fertility, all that shit. And Tia is struggling to, not Tia, they are struggling to have a child. Yeah. Um. Again, this man is a doctor. And for some reason, he agreed for his mother to take Tia to some wacky church. Orioke, babes. They took her to Orioke. Like, for them to pray for her to get pregnant. And, okay, so that part, I was struggling to separate the bad writing from the character. Because I was like, if this book was well-written, would he have agreed to that? Yeah, probably. But he's a doctor. They do such things in Lagos. I'm trying to remember this. Well, he's a doctor. He knows us know how it happens. And like he he was also the one with the problem by the you know when I read that part. So um when they got to the church, they pretty much physically abused Tia. Like they were whipping her, beating her. I don't know if they were trying to beat the child out of her. I I have no idea. But like I just kept thinking and then she went back home and she stayed with him like i just kept thinking i would have called my mommy and my mother would have sent people to arrest this man like you're calling i'm driving straight to my mom's house <laughs> did she pass out i think she passed out <laughs> Uber. like something will happen Bro, and I, would just I, I, first I was like i would call my dad when i was like no no i would call my mom so like by the time my mom is telling my dad, my mom is very dramatic. So she would be like, your in-laws killed your daughter. As a matter of fact, <laughs> she's actually dead. Literally. Like, it, that part was insane to me. Because this he's educated, he's a literal doctor. And he subjected his wife to that shit. Also, the fact that Tia agreed to it. And at some point in the book, she was like, oh, maybe it will work. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you have a degree. I think it's very real. I think I think it's something that can actually happen. Like in Nigeria, people believe in the supernatural more than science. It it's not like it's you don't believe it. I don't believe it. But there are actually people who do believe it that yet yeah, like things just don't happen because science and this and this and this. You have to pray to some God somewhere and you have to pray to God. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, that that part pissed me off, especially when I found that he was the one with the problem. I was like, he hates you, babe. You need he, to. He hates her. Hates she you. Needs to yeah, yeah. But you need to call a divorce lawyer and take everything he has. Every single thing. Because he's a doctor, so I know he has money. <laughs> Nigerian doctors. Well, he's a Nigerian doctor living in Nikoi. He better okay. have money. <laughs> True. I'm trying to remember. Have you read um Stay With Me? Yeah. So 
I don't remember what her husband, I don't, I actually don't remember a lot about the book, but I remember there was a similar situation where they, they also went to the mountain with a goat to pray. She, she did that. It wasn't, I can't remember. I didn't think it was the husband that made her do that. Yeah, but. But hers, I felt like hers was more of a mental thing because she managed to convince herself that she was pregnant at some point. Yeah, true. I mean, I feel like it was. Desperate times, desperate times. Honestly, maybe, maybe it was the emotional state that she was in that made her do all that. But I I feel like the. I feel like that counts as mar- like marital abuse. Yes. What her husband did to her, yeah. And it all and then um so when Ajini got moved to Lagos, first of all, she ran away from her um forced husband's house and then she is basically trafficked to Lagos. It's child trafficking, essentially. They didn't have the permission of her parents. They didn't really tell her what she was going to do. And she basically became a house girl in Lagos. And the agents, quote unquote, that took her there was taking the money without paying her. So it was, I mean, call me dramatic, was slavery. Yeah. Modern day slavery. Yeah. Um, and the woman she was working for was really wealthy. And that's where Miss Tia comes in because the woman and Miss Tia are neighbors. Um, Miss Tia is much younger. Her um, neighbor, as in Ajani's boss, was a much older woman. Like, I want to say 50s, 60s. Um, but like an older person, Sha. Yeah. I think I imagine that to be like late 40s, early 50s. Mm, fair enough. Um, her husband was also abusive, like physically abusive to her, sexually abusive to past house helps, and he also sexually harassed Adrini. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, it wasn't interesting or something new, because I know this is something that happens, but he was unemployed. He didn't really have any money, which is fine. You don't, you don't have to be. Sorry. Excuse me unemployed does not have any money and all the money that he gets from his wife's hard work he uses it to take girls in lagos Wait, you didn't let me finish i said being unemployed is fine like if that is your arrangement with your partner that only one of you would bring in the money in that's fine as long as you know if that was the arrangement and yeah also not physically and emotionally abusing her do you get what i mean like, you can have a stay-at-home dad. Okay. And they can have, like, a reasonably fair arrangement. A stay-at-home dad is not unemployed. Fair enough, because raising children is a full-time job. Exactly. Yeah, Um. but yeah, he was really abusive. And it was just um interesting to see that the his wife was the one who made the money. She was the one with the power in relationship. Um, And she still had to take that much crap from him do you get so like imagine he was the one with the money like if you if you're the one if the woman is the one with the money and she still has to deal with everything he puts her through yeah 
that's insane and like this is why i feel like marriage is an institution that can never really work for women like i don't care how um forward thinking the two people in the relationship Mm -hmm. are or how like much of a feminist the woman is or how much of an ally the man is it just in my head like the institution was built on a fucked up foundation and that like that is that because even if the two people in the marriage have this understanding and everything is fine society is still going to influence them you can't separate yourself from society because the only reason um this particular marriage was in such a situation that the woman was the one providing everything she was the only relatively reasonable person in the relationship yet she was the one who was being abused and she had to protect her husband she didn't feel safe enough to talk about how he was abusive she didn't feel safe enough to leave him even though she had the means to because she knew how much of a negative impact it would have on her in the society quote-unquote and so like even when women have the power society takes all that from Mm. us and hands it over to the man so like whichever way you swing it like society is going to fuck it up anyway True, true. Yeah, marriage doesn't benefit women. Yeah, and like I don't see a like I don't see any way around it. Like I was having this is kind of like not really related. Like I was having an argument with someone about like the idea of a feminist marriage. And I was like, I don't really see it like it's not something that I think is practical or possible. Because okay, so let's think of this specific scenario um so okay so let's say two people they they're both comfortable um uh like financially comfortable and they both have enough common sense to know that the whole like power dynamic in marriage thing shouldn't be based on gender and all that shit there are external factors that also affect them like one family members um and so for example let's say they have a kid and they insist that oh like it's going to you know they're in a feminist marriage and so it's not going to affect the woman negatively or as much as it normally would like her career they don't have control over that because they don't decide how much time the man can take off as is paternity leave so yeah. like i know it's like a very small and specific situation but the fact that in most countries and most companies men can take more than two weeks off as paternity, paternity leave, leave already sets the tone mm. for who the main um carer of the child is going to be and once that tone has been set it's really hard to like switch from, from it, it. it's yeah. like you can't exactly so like but back to this particular situation again it's it's because of the society because otherwise she had no reason to remain in an abusive marriage, marriage yeah. where she was literally getting nothing and again she she had the means to leave and be comfortable and it would literally affect her in no way shape or form 
but she still felt the need to stay. In summary, burn society down. <laughs> <laughs> Just burn everything. <laughs> but yeah, um, what else stood out to you in the book? Wait, wait, wait. I've talked about the part of the storyline that I like. You need to talk about the part of the storyline that you like. That I liked. Yeah. Um, I mean, all it's about abuse and poverty. And um, I think something else that stood out to me was, I feel like we've talked about this already, but the child labor part. And not just that, the fact that the person she was working for was also abusive. Like, even if it was in a scenario where um, Aduni was 19 and she was getting paid directly and getting paid enough, it would not have made the way she was treated acceptable. Like, this woman used to beat the crap out of her for no reason. And she was barely allowed to sleep or eat. And it was just so unnecessary. There was no point. And also, she was like 13 and she's not in school. It doesn't make sense. That should be illegal. She was working 12 hours. I don't even work 12 hours. (laughs) And you work, like, even 12 hours in manual labor, not, like, sitting at the desk. If someone makes me sit at my desk for 12 hours, I guarantee I'll be crying by the like 10th hour. It's <laughs> crazy. I just and I know something. I drag therapy into everything, but that woman needed therapy because oh, she yes. was taking out the anger she had against her husband. She was taking it out on, on Adjani, which was yeah. fucked up. And it's did not just like her pain did not and everything she was going through did not justify how she was treating Adjani. Yeah. And, like she's an adult. She should have sorted her shit out. And she had the money to afford therapy as well. So I know money wasn't an issue. But then probably there was the societal stigma of therapy. Yeah. True. Um but on Big Madame, so Big Madame is Adjani's employer, so the woman that Adjani works for. Just, I just remembered something that I actually like about the writing with regards to Big Madame. So when we were first introduced to Big Madame, Aduni describes her as um, heavily makeup, colorful, this. So I just, when I was reading it, what I imagined was a woman who probably has a shop in Isaleco. She dresses really nice and then she has kicked her face in makeup as in eyeshadow green and blue and purple just to stand out and to show off that she has money in a certain way but then when we go on to know about big madame and her relationship with her husband we find out that her husband is an abuser and her husband beats her up so the makeup is it's just a exactly and like when i read that because i was like oh my god this is actually like i did not like i was surprised I'm not surprised. I was not surprised that he abused her because obviously he's it's a bomb. It's such a common thing. Yeah. But I was the way the um, description from when we first meet her to how my realization changes or how my um, my view of Big Madame changes when we find out that she's being abused and then she's just using the makeup as a cover-up. It's just, I was like, oh, okay. I really like that twist. And then I start to 
I start to feel sorry for her, but not feel sorry for her to justify all the things that she does to Adrienne. Like, it is just so not... like as a separate thing. Yeah, it's not justifiable. But yeah, that was just what I wanted to say. I feel like there's something else I want to talk about that I'm missing. I mean, there's a lot in the book. <laughs> there's a lot. Which maybe is part of the problem. A maybe lot. she had focused on a few things. Um, It wouldn't have felt so forced. But because we're like an hour in. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, would you... It's like, we've talked about every. What did you think about the ending? <laughs> the ending. So, it was very predictable. I feel like at a point when I, like, when I got to reading the book, I felt like the author was trying to direct us into a fairy tale, happily ever after situation. Like, if you get certain opportunities like if you work hard and you do certain things you get certain opportunities and if you make use of those opportunities in the right way then things will work out which is not exactly it's not always true yeah it's not always true majority of the time it is not true like the fact that Adoni got the scholarship was, I would have preferred it if she did not get the scholarship. I'm not going to lie. I wanted a sad ending. I wanted it to be, like, I really, really wanted a sad ending. Like, let's forgive forgive the fact that um, some of the characters were not realistic. The core topics, the major things, the major issues, so the abuse, the... Um, the um, you know something I just randomly remembered? The Ghanaian character was also poorly written. Oh. Oh, very very poorly written. I felt like she was adding Charlie to, to the um to this dialogue just to say okay he's Ghanaian. Let's just add Charlie so that we we'll, we'll get the vibe that he's Ghanaian. Apart from that, nothing. Oh, and then she talks about the way he pronounced some words. So when Adeni first meets the Ghanaian character, mm. the way he pronounced some words, she describes in such a way that will make you know that okay this person is Ghanaian. But then it was just a bit too much. Yeah, like turn it down. But yeah, you didn't like the ending. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like on track with. I think that it it, it was too easy. A lot of it was just too easy. Like the um way uh Big Madame agreed for her to go and start living with Miss Tia. That was too easy. That doesn't the way happen. Big Madame reacted when she and Adoni had a conversation after Big Madame decided to leave her husband. That would not have happened. From everything that we had read about Big Madame, no. Um, yeah. If it felt... Yeah, I get what you mean. I didn't want a sad ending. I'm not a witch like you. <laughs> you, know know what what I just you know how I've previously said that when it got to a point, I wanted the book to end. Perhaps the author got tired. I wanted the book to end. To and it went like, like that. It did yeah. read like that. It was very rushed. Like all of a sudden, everything is just working out fine. I'm, do you know what? You know how in Nollywood movies you get part one, part two? I could have dealt with the part two of this book if you it meant. See, see, wait. If it meant that some things would have been written in a different way and it would not have been jam packed. Like the last few 
chapters was just like, okay, let's just pack this in, let's pack this in, let's pack this in, and then let's just end it. I don't know. Or it could have ended on a cliffhanger. I would have preferred that. Yeah, it was just, uh, I don't know. It had so much potential. Which brings me to the end. Um, In general, what did you think and would you recommend it? So, what do I think about the book? I like the book. That is my conclusion. Now, this me saying I like the book is after a sit down with myself. So I sat down and I was like, what do you really think about the book? Like, even though you did not enjoy the reading experience in if you forgive certain things is it a good book it is a good book i would not say it's a great book it is just okay yeah um but saying that i see the hype about it i see i no hold on calm down i see why people were excited because it was a bit different so we're talking about the writing and how it was in Pigeon English or it was in non um, conventional non conventional English. So that's one of the reasons why I see the hype. Another reason why I see the hype is when when was this book released? It was early this year. Um, was and, it? Oh yeah. Okay. Either it was released early this year or that was when it gained popularity. As at the time this book came out, the social political situation all over the world this 2020, I think people were looking for literature that were not written by white people. Literature that went into the core of non um non-white situation. Like people were looking for oh, I can what? off the top of my head, I can name ten books yes. that also fit into that bracket. They do, but this one also fits into that bracket. So I get the like this is this is just I can say that okay, this is why this book was popular this year. In any other year, maybe not. But this year Really. I think yeah, this is why everybody was researching it and wanting to read it. So I feel yeah. the opposite way about everything you just said. <laughs> so first of all, um I do not think it was a good book. Um I cannot I really, really wanted to like this book and when I started it I felt like it had a lot of potential. Even after reading it, I still feel strongly that the concept was really good and there was just so much potential. But the execution is just too poor for me to overlook it. Um and I I feel I feel like I can't even get myself to say that it was a good book because that feels like a disservice to every other good book that exists. Gets. I feel like if I say this was a good book, then what am I going to say about my sister the serial killer? Or um what's another other book that you just mentioned? The one that um, um, stay, stay with, with me. me. Like what am I gonna say about those books? Like I can't I and it's like I know the writing was the main issue mm. but it's not that the writing was like okay it was you know it needed to be somehow the writing was bad i agree the writing was bad and i just feel like how bad it was is like so bad that i can't 
overlook it. It's like it's it's not like um it's like okay, so I keep going back to my sister the serial killer. My sister the serial killer is a good book. Um the storyline was okay, the writing was okay. Um and so I was like, okay, like, you know, it's not something there's that is what it is. Like it's a good, okay book you get. Like mm-hmm. it's not if I was talking about let's say um Americana or I'm going. Or oh, oh my god, yes. Because I was about to say I'm currently not a great fan of Chimamanda. But let's say homegoing. Um Homegoing had really good writing and the storyline was really good as well. Homegoing is a good book. So that's why I feel like it's like I feel like I can't get myself to say that it was a good book because the writing was so poor. The execution was so bad. Given that we are supposed to be reading this as adults, do you get? Mm. And I feel like with the way the book was I it, it didn't feel like she had a small budget like it felt like she had access to proper editors like a proper publishing company and they could have done a better job at editing the book and making sure that it flowed properly like a good book for me should have the writing and the storyline sets mm. like those two things should be good because then otherwise what is like what's what is the point? Like no one calls Chino Achebe a good writer because the storylines were good. It's because the writing blows you away every time. Like every book. Like even Sefiata, the first Sefiata book I ever read, I can't remember the title. I was like, the story is just like it's an okay story. There's really like nothing big is happening. You're just narrating someone's life. Um, there's no major events but you know the writing was good the storyline wasn't bad so it was fine but this one I'm, it's also possible that maybe because i went in with such great expectations mm-hmm. the letdown was massive yeah it just okay. i it felt like they didn't do enough work. Maybe that is what really bothers me. It felt like they didn't do enough work. It felt like the writer didn't do enough work. It felt like the editors didn't do enough work. By work, do you mean like background work before releasing the book to the public? Yeah. Okay. Like they didn't do enough research. She didn't write it well enough. So like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm being too no, harsh. I don't think... Mm. But it like, is your opinion. Everyone has a right to their opinion. Yeah. Yeah, true. And I really wanted to like it. So, like, the first time I read it, and when I was reading, I think I posted about reading it, and I had, like, a few people say, oh, they're also reading this book. And I had to message them afterward, like, why did you encourage me to read this book, please? So that's why I think it's, like, a me thing. I feel like a lot of other people are fine with the storyline being good and the writing mm. being bad. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. I'm just, I'm not very is it hypercritical about like writing as long as I don't struggle to read it. Like I want to enjoy reading a book. I did not enjoy reading this book. Yeah. So like, like, I also took... feel like writing is a profession. 
no one is going to call um an accountant a good accountant if they're not good at the accounting and like finance things they're supposed to be good mm-hmm. at no one is going to say an engineer is a good engineer if like the actual calculations and design and everything they're doing isn't good no one is going to say a president is a good president just because he has great ideas if he doesn't execute it properly they're not going to say it was a good leader mm. like i don't in my head i can't really say that shouldn't be the case for writing if you're going to be a writer be a good writer yeah and like i know i'm not a writer and so like i'm sure it's difficult but like as someone has read loads of books i wasn't satisfied as a as a reader (laughs) okay okay how long did it take you to read this book i actually can't remember so I think it took me two months. I knew it took you a while. It took me two months. Now, let us forget that um, there is coronavirus, there's COVID situation going on in the world. And Grace, I need to scream. (laughs) Like, my willingness to want to read stuff is is not as it usually is. But the thing about me is when I start something, I cannot... I don't like not finishing it. I must finish it. Even if I hate it, I have to finish it. So with this book, I had it by my bed every single night because I just had to finish it. Finish it. And the willingness to pick it up and read it, it was not there because the story was just not carrying me along. But saying that, the first half of this book, I finished it in two nights. The first half was really good. I know I'm like really shot on... <laughs> I, I know the past sense of shit is in shaft or whatever. <laughs> uh, but like, I'm not saying I wouldn't recommend it, but they're just specific people I would recommend it to. It's like, if it's someone I know that they are more about what the book is trying to say, then I would recommend it because the book is trying to say a lot of things are valid. And it's, although I don't think they said those things well, um, it's a good place to look at all those points and do your own research and find books that talk about them better. You know, there are lots of valid points that she made in the book. So I would recommend it to people like that. But if I know someone is like a sucker for well-written books, I wouldn't recommend. Again, maybe it's because I've read people like Toni Morrison this year and like exquisite reading palettes like your taste for books has just changed i read this book after reading a zora neale hurston book and i was like girl (laughs) this is a wild contrast but you know this is a good segue to discuss your books for next year your theme for next year we're also one hour 18 minutes in bro nice yeah maybe i'll separate this part into like a separate episode um but what's it called um my theme for next year okay so i'm going to say i don't have a race or gender theme but knowing myself we'll get to july 2021 and i'll realize that i've still only read books by black women it has just like become like a habit for me i don't even notice anymore um but because this year there were a few books that i wanted to read but i couldn't read because of my theme so mainly 
normal people written by Sally Rooney because I've watched the show and it was really good so I want to compare it to the book um, so I want to read that so I'm not I don't have like a race or gender theme I'm still going to stick to like literary fiction but I also want to start reading non-fiction I, I think it's because of the types of books that I read like a lot of it is like a lot of really heavy themes and it makes sense to read it in fiction, but I also think I need the facts mm. as well. So like yeah. I need the data, the facts, I need the numbers so that I'm not just reading someone else's perspective of it, you know? Yeah. Um. So I'm going to read anything that is literary fiction written by whoever. I'm probably not going to read any book written by a white man. That is just weights out of my range for me to even... Mm-mm. I'm willing to do white men and black men, okay. but I don't know if I can go beyond that. <laughs> I don't know if I can like combine gender and race and do white men. Like, no. Um, but I'm going to. My target is to read at least six nonfiction books. So I know I want to uh, read. Oh gosh, just another book. Uh, the Asaba Massacre. Oh, is that the title? I think it is. I need to check again. But then also, another thing that is influencing this is because I was supposed to read books by trans women or trans people in general, Mm. black trans people. And I really struggled to find fiction written by black trans people. But also, like, the other genres... I have found I like sci-fi. I don't read sci-fi. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I don't Try like it. it. I've tried it and I did not like it. So I'm. Did you I'm read? Not going to... Did you read Children of Blood and Bone? No. <laughs> I don't plan on. Um, cause, like I just know it's not my type of book, so there's no point. So instead of that, because I'm still, I still really want to learn more about the trans community, and a lot of trans authors write, um, like autobiographies so i'm going to do that instead to make up for the fact that i wasn't able to read a lot um about them this year so that's my plan and yeah so non-fiction that means six i don't know how i'm going to do it but that's my plan i have like maybe five books that i can't read this year but i've already (laughs) I already have them. <laughs> See, this is how we're different. Me, I just add them to my Amazon wish list. No, it's whenever I go to Sainsbury's and I see them, like, oh, well, oh I might as no. well buy it. <laughs> no, I don't buy books from Sainsbury's anymore. I usually don't as well, but like, they're usually on sale. Yeah, and I'm like, that's true. Uh, okay, what is your reading theme for next? So, week? I kind of have two different themes. One of them is as a result of my Amazon wish list. So I don't know how to pronounce this. Sundoku. So it's where you keep buying stuff. You keep buying books, but you don't read them. Mm. And I am trying to get rid of that situation in my life next year. So my, 
I have a few books that I have bought that do not follow the theme of um, black women, which has also been something I've been doing subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I blame you, actually. Uh, I think it's kind of your fault. <laughs> we probably had a conversation in like third year of uni and you mentioned it and then my like just stuck. Bro, third year of uni, I was like... My third I year. Oh, yeah. I, we had the same third year. I just had two additional oh, yeah. years wow. after. Okay, <laughs> Um, what's it called? But at that time, I was actually just like, I don't know what made it happen, but I remember just being like, I don't care about the perspective of men or white women. So I'm not going to read their books. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a fuck about what these people think of. I don't want to know. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like I'm a little bit more mellow now. <laughs> now. I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> um but yeah so i need to there's just books that i really want to read but i have just not been able to read them like my mind has just not been wanting to read them one of the books i really want to read is this is going to hurt like i have wanted to read that book for like since it came out but okay so i was wrong i made an exception for that man that book i've read yeah that book is a really it's about the nhs it's yeah so I need to empty my Amazon wish list. And then my second theme is um, I'm trying to read books based on um, countries that were colonized slash inhabited by other countries. Mm-hmm. So I'm Nigerian. So my first use case would be the Biafran War. And actually... Biafran war and then what happened with the British um, intervention or what roles the British played in the Biafran war but I want to start with non-fiction with ah, oof, I want to start with fiction and then walk my way to non-fiction um, and then another country that um, I want to focus on is South Korea so I've watched a few tv shows and movies recently like this past month about um, the Japanese invasion of South Korea and one of the key things that happened was um, there were um, comfort women. So these women basically acted as comfort. Actually, they were forced into basically abused into taking care of the soldiers. Some of them were, most of them were raped. They were abused. And then there was um, there was a case like they they took them to court actually. Um, some some of these women took the Japanese government to court a few years ago and there's some literature about it, some fiction, some non-fiction and that's just something I'm really really curious about so that is going to be my focus for 2021 <laughs> God keeping us till then What's it called? I was going to say that um, for the first one um, I think the Republic NG I think they have a list of books you can read about the Biafran Raw I was going to say that I was going to recommend one particular book as the non-fiction to start with, but I no longer talk about that woman. Okay. So, no. Um, but Chinua Chavez, there was a country. Yeah. It's fic. It, sorry, it's non-fiction, but I think the writing is easy enough that you might not even notice that it's mm-hmm. non-fiction. Yeah. I also want to read things for the part next year. Like, I definitely want to read it. Bro, have I ever told you of my first time reading that book? My dad made me read that book when I was not old enough to read that book. And 
I remember reading it. I don't want to spoil it for you, but something bad happens in the book. <laughs> and I was like asking my sister, surely this thing undoes itself or undoes itself, whatever the right word is. I was like, there's no way, there's no way this is a thing that happens in books. And she was like, but it happens in real life. I was like, I don't understand. Like I was just too little to understand the concept of bad things happening in books. Wow. I was like, this isn't right. <laughs> I was, and then I read it again as an adult. It's like, okay, this is a really good book. But reading it as a child, I was like, what the fuck was my dad thinking making <laughs> me read this book? Like, are you insane? I could not read that book for years after. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, but Random. yeah. But my first Tuna Chibi book was Chica and the River. And it was I haven't read that book. I read it in primary school. Like, it was one of the stuff you had to read for literature. And I am pretty sure. It was one of oh, the books I? that probably got me into reading. Like, mm. I, I literally used to read as I ate. Like, it was just wow. a thing for me. And yeah, big up I to I don't remember how I got into reading. I'm sure it was my father that forced me. I, like, I don't remember ever not reading. Like, it was just always yeah. a thing. But because, again, my father was in charge of the books that I used to read, I do not think he was giving me appropriate books. Honestly, he's lucky that I did not give up on him. He's the reason I don't read nonfiction. Because he used to make me read nonfiction as a fucking child. Wow. So safe to say, you never read any blighting. I did, but like, by borrowing from my friends. Not because these were the books my father was buying for me. (laughs) My father was getting me self-help books and traumatizing me. So I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't know how I did not, like, fall out of love with books. I went to send him a text and be like, yeah, responsible. (laughs) Wow. For me, I'd be used to read non-fiction. But anyway, it's just starting to get long. I need to end this now. So... Thanks for being on my podcast. Um, thanks for listening. As usual, follow me on Instagram at Heaven Smells Like Books. Um, if you read the book or you listen to the podcast, you can tweet at me, tell me what you thought. Or you can, I was joking at the beginning, you can still DM me. I like talking to people in my DMs about the books. <laughs> I like yelling at them when they, I'm kidding. I don't yell at people when they DM me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah uh oh oh this is going to be the last episode for the year so i guess i'll speak to you guys in january 2021 if we make it if we make it with the way this year has been the world could end in a matter of days and i'll be here for it